0: Once I had my son, um, by the time he was about eight and nine months, I was feeling like I was an adult because I was a mother. Um, so I then again started to defy my parents and their rules. Um, and my mom, you know, she suggested if you feel like you can just really live your own life, then you can, you know, move on and then go ahead and live your life. Otherwise, you got to live by our rules. And I chose to move on and I left the house with my child.
1: Hi, this is Shlomo Salsen, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where I share stories, tips, and specific strategies on how you as a teenager can overcome struggles in your life. Whether you're going through anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, I have interviewed over 70 people from around the world on their struggles, how they were able to overcome them, and how you can too. September 15th is coming out very soon in less than a week. And that is when my book, Never Fight Alone, is coming out in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. It's a compilation of 51 inspiring interviews on how you can overcome your struggle in your life and improve your mental health. I really want to open this conversation about mental health and about what people are going through. In this book, there are all types of stories, people who were sexually abused at the age of six, people who was arrested, sentenced to 14 years in prison, and now an inspirational speaker has spoken in over 600 countries, people who were self-harming on the verge of suicide. So many different types of stories. And it it says in this book, which I want you to read because it's a life-changing book. Click the link in the description to learn more. Today's podcast guest is Ms. Yogi. Ms. Yogi is currently a licensed master's social worker. She's also the founder of a hip-hop based organization that helps youth overcome struggles in life called teens under construction she didn't have a very easy pass in middle school and high school she got in trouble a lot she got into a lot of fights she got expelled from school at the age of 15 and 17 she got pregnant she was homeless she dropped out of school and eventually she found her way Today's podcast episode, we're going to talk about Ms. Yogi's story, how she was able to manage being homeless and being a teen parent at the same time. So give it up for Ms. Yogi. Hey, Ms. Yogi.
0: Hi, how are you today?
1: I'm fantastic. Tuning in from the
0: Bronx, correct? I'm originally from the Bronx, but I'm based out of Westchester now.
1: Okay, perfect. Now growing up, uh, how was it growing up in South Bronx?
0: Uh, it was an interesting experience. I always tell people there's uh there's an interesting experience in the Bronx. As far as um, when we grow up and you grow up in the Bronx as a child, you enjoy you know just being able to run free and and you don't really look at you know poverty and at, you know the, the, the crime that's going around as an issue because you really adapt to those things. So I tell people it was bittersweet. You know we we had a lot of fun, but we dealt with some with some challenges nonetheless.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. When we were talking, you were going through some struggles in middle and high school. What were some of those struggles?
0: So, I always tell people um, school was never an, um, an option. It was always an obligation, as for most people, right? But I think that uh, for some people, sometimes school is a, school's a little bit more enjoyable than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally know that. For me i have a little test anxiety so my i know my learning um skills might be well my learning styles might be a little different than others and even you know attention span sometimes if i get bored i'm like drift off very easily um not in an adhd manner but more like in a this interesting matter i just if i if it mm-hmm. doesn't call my attention i don't care to give it my attention um so going you know in school school was interesting i did it like i said i didn't love um um school but Growing up in the South Bronx and coming from a broken home and so on, there was some anger issues that we dealt with, um, and therefore I was I was a fighter. I was a handful in school. I beat a couple of people up. I got expelled a couple of times. I uh, I got sent through the district a little bit, changed schools. You know, been put in different environments. But as a social worker now, I realized that it didn't matter whether they changed. Maybe we weren't addressing the problem.
1: Yeah, but what was the true problem that you found out later on in life?
0: I find um, that there's a lack of support, specifically in our urban communities. I think that we, we teach a certain structure of what school's supposed to look like, but again, we don't all learn the same. So in understanding that, right, I didn't know that I learned different. So they might have been days where I felt like I wasn't as smart as everybody else, right? Um, not because I felt like, you know, I couldn't learn it. I felt like it took me longer to learn it than the kid that's sat next to me, right? And then you have the really smart kid in class, you know? And it was just like, shit, everybody's finishing and here I am with this assignment. So it was just easier to shut down and just kind of be the tough kid than to feel like you were the dumb kid, right? So I mm-hmm. think that that played a part on that as well.
1: Uh, so it's an interesting point you didn't want to seem like the dumb kid so you took it out by picking on other people
0: well i wouldn't say i was i was never a bully i never I classified myself as a bully but i was always very assertive if you did something to me or said something about me that i didn't like i was definitely going to confront you and there were definitely going to be consequences um i i I wasn't a bully, but I, wasn't, I also wasn't the kid that you were going to bully because I, my assertive character would just not allow mm. somebody to treat me indifferent for whatever reason.
1: And what excuses would you make back then?
0: So would see, that was the trouble? thing about me. I never made excuses. If, mm-hmm. I, if, I, if I did something physical to you, um, it was, it was, I was very honest. You said something I didn't like. And therefore, I could have used my words to tell you that, but I feel like you would understand better if I, used, if I was physical um, towards you instead. So mm-hmm. I was always very honest. It was never necessarily an excuse. It was like, I'm mad, so I punched you in your face.
1: Mm-hmm. But what would you tell adults when you would get in trouble, when you would get expelled, when you were get to fight?
0: I would tell them just that. If I don't like you, I'm going to punch you in your face, <laughs> whether they were adults or kids. <laughs> Um, I, I I can you know I can take it through uh, uh, incidents right um I'm again in being I was I was always very straightforward and I think that that my assertiveness is has always been a a good point and a and a been a bad it has been a good skill and a bad skill right um a, a teacher was saying that I was talking during class and I, I really wasn't I, I remember this day like it was yesterday I was in fourth grade this is when I was expelled from school he called my mother in he insisted that this particular day I was talking. And I was the kind of kid that if I was talking and you said, are you talking? And I was, I would say, yeah, and I'm not done. So I'm going to finish talking and I didn't care whether I got in trouble or not. Uh, but he insisted that I was talking at one point when I wasn't. And that to me was very bothersome because that to me talked about my character. You're saying I did something that I didn't do. And that bothered me because I already had a character. I already You, you already assumed certain things about me. So it was like, let's all make it like, let's, let's make it real. Don't lie on me. And I, I attacked this teacher because he kept lying on me, right? So mm-hmm. when it was like, you know, so why did you attack this person? It Was like because he lied on me. And I, as an as a kid, I felt powerless, and I knew that if I physically attacked him, he would pay attention. You would all pay attention to me.
1: Mm-hmm. What well, did you, did your parents try to discipline you?
0: Um, they did. I went to juvenile detention. Um, my mom was always very stern. People are amazed when they meet my mom because she's a very assertive and stern individual. But I was just a hard-headed kid that wanted it my way.
1: Mm-hmm. Now let's go into when you were in, in high school, when you were 15 years old. You mentioned that you became pregnant at 15 years old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What was your reaction when, when that happened or when you found out?
0: I was, my reaction was, holy shit. Um, and um, my my reaction, it was more fear than anything. It was fear in telling my parents. It was fear in how my older siblings would react, right? Um, so there was more fear than, than anything else um, with that news.
1: Mm-hmm. What did your parents do, or how did they react?
0: Well, my parents were upset, naturally. You know, I was 15 years old, mm-hmm. um, so they were definitely very upset. I would say, you know, disappointed to a certain extent, um, but nevertheless, supportive.
1: Mhm. and what happened afterwards after you had the child
0: um, once I had my son um, by the time he was about eight or nine months I was feeling like I was an adult because I was a mother um, so I then again started to defy my parents and their rules um, and my mom you know she suggested if you feel like you can just really live your own life then you can you know move on and then go ahead and live your life otherwise you got to live by our rules and I chose to move on and I left the house with my child
1: Is that when you also dropped out of high school and became homeless at the same time?
0: I dropped out of high school after the first week I attended. I hated school. I Mm -hmm. hated the space. I hated having to listen to adults. I hated people telling me what to do. So I just stopped going to school.
1: Mm -hmm. And then what? Where did you go after you ran away from home or left home? Um,
0: When I left home, my my friend and I um, lived together. We we stayed with a couple friends here and there um and eventually her and I ended up um, living out of an abandoned building that was it was abandoned but it was livable mm. um so we stayed there for about a year um she had her child and i had mine and then eventually you know we put our money together and we found somewhere to live how
1: how were you able to get through those difficult times because there's a lot of teen mothers teen fathers and some of them become homeless how did you eventually manage during those rough times?
0: I always tell people one one thing about me is I'm a very resilient individual mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't sit and, and just cry and complain about what's going on um, I actively work on improving stuff so my mindset was literally that just getting up every day to assure that I had a plan to move forward and eventually that plan was able to come together. I was able to move forward.
1: Mm -hmm. What would you say is an actionable step for someone who's going through the same situation? You did.
0: Well, I I, I think those vary, right? Because right for me, in my mindset, you know, being from the Bronx and knew when I knew, I knew that, the way to get money was by selling drugs so that's what it took for a little while we did that right um i knew that by you know doing certain things i can obtain you know certain um um, um things so it was just a matter of it was more of a survival skill stuff right it was more of like what i knew what i learned from from the streets and surviving that and when i you know i was arrested at the age of 17 for a drug charge. And um, that's when I knew that, you know, with a child and, you know, with a drug charge, that just really didn't go together, right? Um, I couldn't parent my child if I were to have received jail time. That was at the same time that I received the news that I was expecting my second child, which that reaction was mind blowing because I felt like I couldn't have another child at that time. I was still Mm -hmm. young. I was still trying to figure things out. But I, I went ahead and had my daughter, and then eventually, I, you know, my friend and I were able to save up enough money, and we got our first apartment. And you know, um, it was just a matter of about my, my it was my mindset. It was really, you know, me ha- keeping a positive outlook regardless of what the current situation.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. And then you went ahead and got your GED afterwards, right?
0: When I was nineteen years old, yes, I got my GED.
1: What was that turning point? What pushed you towards that direction?
0: My arrest. I knew that that no longer was an option. That wasn't a valuable option, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a seventeen-year-old, I was still tried as an adult, but I still had the right to be child as a, you know, as an adolescent. So I knew that, you know, at that point, um, I didn't really have the uh, the ability to jeopardize my livelihood because I had children to take care of. And at mm-hmm. that point, I just knew that I had to find a different way. And a start to doing that was obtaining my J.D.
1: Did they take away your children at that point or you still had them?
0: Well, my son was taken from me for about a week. He was put in my mother's custody while I fought my court case. And then, you know, CPS came and they kind of, you know, um investigated and, you know, there was no charges filed against me. And um, you know, I was able to to put that behind me. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I knew we don't get we don't always get second chances.
1: Uh-huh. It's, it's sometimes luck is what we need, right?
0: I believe that people that work hard enough be, yeah. could be lucky. I don't I don't necessarily believe in luck itself. <laughs>
1: yes. The more persistent, resilient you are it and does. the more you put yourself out there, the luckier you get. I I mean law of attraction. Right. I agree. Agree. One hundred percent. After your GED, did you go to college right away? And what did you study?
0: After I took my GED, I started, um, I started college and my first major was computer science. I don't know why, because I'm not, no, I don't like science and I don't like math and I hate, I don't hate technology, but Mm -hmm. I'm not that great at it. But I I majored in computer science for a little bit. Um, I I enjoyed the college experience, but I didn't enjoy um, the major. So I ended up dropping out and then I went back to school and majored in criminal justice. And then I learned some things that, you know, didn't necessarily attract me as much anymore um so I went through a couple of fields I tried like maybe taking some teaching classes I thought about being a teacher and one day I sat with a professor um who ran the social work department and um we talked for a little while she asked me a little bit about myself and I shared I'm I'm very open about my life I don't I don't feel like there's anything to hide um, and she said to me, she suggested that I be a social worker, that I can help a lot of people. And I thought that she was crazy because based on my characteristics and who I was, um, I didn't feel like I was fit to be a clinician, you know, for that sake being. Um, and I gave it a shot. And here I am today. I'm a clinician. <laughs>
1: and what do you do now?
0: I am a clinician. I work um, I work at a local high school. Um, I provide, um, I'm a social worker at a local high school. I, pr- I run a violence prevention program in addition to being the CEO and founder of my own non profit organization.
1: Mm-hmm. And what does Teens Under Construction do?
0: So Teens Under Construction um, reaches out to what we identify as disconnected youth. And youth, disconnected youth are pretty much youth that had experiences like myself. Um, they're disinterested from school. Um, they're disinterested, from, well, can't get a job, right? Because if, you know, you're at 15, 16 years old, you can't really be employed there's a lot of pieces to go with that. Um, so we try to really um, hone in and attract those youth and really talk to them and encourage them to find their strength and um, mm-hmm. to locate their resiliency and find out what they like and how they could be successful and what success means to them. Right. Because I think that success is different to us. For some people, success is becoming a millionaire while for some other people you know for me i consider myself successful right i was able to come from a dark place and be in a better place and provide my children better so to me that's in sense um success um i'm not rich mm-hmm. by far uh, but i enjoy what i do i'm able to eat every day i have a good you know home over my uh a, 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 go- a good roof over my head so we really go out into urban communities and really try to reach out to those disconnected youth and really try to engage them and and you know, help them be proud of themselves.
1: I love it because you know my whole brand, Teenage Impact, is, is about resilience. It's about it's not about what happens to you. It's how you bounce back right. to what happens to you. And you you're the perfect example of being dealt certain cards in your life. You know, you having your own trouble times during your teenage years, but you didn't make an excuse that hey, these were the cards that dealt with me, and you just left it alone. No. You took charge, you went back to get a degree, you went back to get an education. Now you're impacting other people's lives and helping them create their own success story. So I give you props.
0: Well, thank you very much, I appreciate that. (laughs)
1: Uh How can someone be more resilient?
0: Well, I think that um, to be more resilient, we need to understand ourselves a little bit more. I, I drive in really teaching young people to get to know themselves. My team consists of uh, we. I do programming at the local jail and at local residential centers, and my team is a team of three: myself, a young lady, and and a, and a gentleman. And we are very all very different. He's, you know, he he's older. He's, you know, um. We we joke with him that he doesn't know technology or he doesn't know music as much as we do, right? But the purpose of all us being so different is being able to know yourself and and find a comfort that it's okay with you being different than somebody else, right? Um, understanding that your confidence is going to attract um, the right people towards you. If you're not confident, then I'm not going to be confident in you neither. So it's really learning, um, you know, tapping into, you know, what people are going through and helping them understand that they are not what happened to them, but how they react, as you said, Um, And really helping them learn how to react to situations, right? Because growing up, I only knew how to react to situations violently, right? I don't like you. You make me mad. I hate you. So my problems, as a person who runs a violence prevention program, I stay away from telling people that violence doesn't work because that's not true. Um, We go to war, right, with other countries because Uh it works, right? If we win... Um, we are on top and we look like, the, so we, so really preaching to young people that violence doesn't work and then they seem differently in the world around us, it's really a contradicting, so I stay away from telling them that. But I do encourage that there's a better way with better outcomes, because violence might work initially, but the outcome of that is going to be forever, regardless mm-hmm. in what setting. H-
1: how would you tell someone to approach a certain situation without violence?
0: Well, I think I will, as a clinician, I will have to have assessed that person and how they work, right, and have that discussion with them, right, um, what the situation is, you know, um, what the outcomes will be. If you come at it this way, what do you think is going to be the response, right? I always tell people never to use the term you when you talk to people, you're uh, addressing somebody about something that bothered you. Because if I come and say to you, well, well, you made me feel bad. Your reaction is going to be no I did And what did I do? What did I say? Right. It becomes more about you and less about me. Mm-hmm. Instead of me saying, well, you know, um, you made a statement that made me feel really bad. And, you know, I would like for us to discuss it because I took it some way. So I want to make sure, you know, whether that was right or not. Right. So it changes the conversation opposed to me coming in and attacking you that you hurt my feelings to me telling you my feelings were hurt based on a comment that you said and I wanted to discuss that. So I think that it's just how you approach certain situations and certain people.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of the book by Dale Carnegie, Win Friends and Influence People. I have not. Okay. So it's a book. I mean, he passed away a long time ago, but that was one of his first book back in the early 1900s, early to mid 1900s. And it's popular. So millions and millions of copies around the world. And it talks about this concept of trying to influence people and getting a certain outcome on a certain way. And that's a lot of the things that you were saying. It's accessing different situations like sitting down with them if you attack someone head on they're going to be defensive right Right. so a lot of times that doesn't work so we have to actually talk to that person without offending them and try to get an outcome where both sides are the winners
0: exactly so timing is important. The yeah. words you use are important, right? Because yeah. um, I can't approach you if you're already upset. Because regardless to how I approach you, you're already in a zone, right? So it's just those are a lot of, you know, you really gotta assess when you're ready to take a situation on.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy because I, I remember I used to be bullied for a long time. Sometimes I, I was the smallest kid in class, so I would, I would come home with bruises on my arm, and I would show my mom, and mom was like, "Why oh, don't you punch them back?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, I was the smallest kid. Everyone was stronger than me. I, I didn't want to fight. I was, I'm still not a fighter. I, I believe um, that's just not my personality. I, I'm, I'm the type of person that calmly sits down with the person and actually talks to them in getting the situation out there. So I'm glad, I'm glad you cleared that up. But is there any other advice you would give people who are in a rough situation, a rough time in their life?
0: I always explain to people that our brain is broken up into components, into logical and emotional, and sometimes it's important to really kind of balance that out and think about what's your logical moves and not so much emotion. I think we get caught up in you know what people say, or what people do, how people look at us, and that really gets in the way of us moving forward. So it's more about thinking, you know, um, definitely with a, with, with a level of emotion, because I don't want to recommend for people to be emotionless, but to really combine that with their logic thinking and, you know, think of, uh, strategically as they step forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for people who are younger and having a kid, you know, some people are different. Some people, you know, accept having a kid and some people think it's going to be the end of their life. What would you tell them
0: at that moment? Talk to people, find people, build yourself for us, some kind of support group, reach out to other people, look for um, you know organizations that uh, support young people. I mm-hmm. think that's really important. Um, we live in a world where adults are constantly you know saying stuff like this generation is you know this and this generation is that. Um, and then it's important to be able to um, understand that all our generations went through stuff. We would, we. This wouldn't be the first generation having kids at an early age. Um, our generations before us did too, so it's definitely doable. But it's important um, first and foremost to take care of yourself first, and to identify what you what you're going through. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you'll never be able to take care of anybody else—not your mom, mm-hmm. not your unborn child, not your born children. So it's important to check in with yourself, make sure you know that you're you're doing okay before you you know, start to, um, to spread yourself out to other people.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe that's the best way to take care of a child is to work on yourself. Yeah. set that example for, for your kids to be better. Absolutely. I end all my podcast interviews with this one question and you touched base a little bit on resiliency, but what does resiliency mean to you?
0: Um, it's funny that you ask that. I, I, that's a question I ask all my groups, too. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, to me, resiliency in a layman's term means the ability to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and I, I tell everybody, right, resilience is the ability to go through something, accept that you went through it. And when I say accept it, it doesn't mean that you're okay with it or that you condone it, but that you understand that that was just part of a chapter in your life and that you can move on and start writing your next chapter without that being an influence.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it because that's exactly what I say in the speaking engagements. You don't have to enjoy everything about the process, but the best way to overcome something is accepting the situation you're in, Mm -hmm. accessing it, and then figuring out ways to overcome your certain struggle in your life. Absolutely. Great job, Miss Yogi. Where can people find you?
0: I am at Teens in the Construction on, on IG, on Facebook, and Twitter. Our email at the organization is info at TUC-inc.com. And if anybody has any questions or we could provide any services to anybody, we'll be more than happy to have a conversation with them.
1: Awesome. Go check her out. She's amazing and she's doing a lot of great things. So thank you so much, Ms. Yogi.
0: Thank you. You have an amazing, amazing day. And thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast episode of the Teenage impact if you haven't done so already click the link in the description to learn more about my book never fight alone which is less than a week away if you're not following me on instagram i have a very personal side to me i have life-changing short clips on what you can do to overcome some of the struggles in your life so go ahead follow me on instagram at shlomo solson so until next time peace